Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bolin, and today I'm joined alongside by none other than the one, the only, your favorite Kentucky boy, Angelo Carriero. How you doing today, brother? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, Brendan. Um, how are you doing? You know, man, normally this is the part of the show where I'm, I say I'm stoked to be talking about some football, but hey, I am, but I've been doing better. I, I, unfortunately, I got COVID right now, so the energy is maybe not at an all-time high, but hey, we'll, we'll do our best to make sure that we still bring the best show to you guys, because our fans deserve nothing less, and just, just kind of working through that, but hey, man, if, if there's anything that can help me feel a little bit better, it's talking about football, you know? I I, um, I, I will say this. I, I got COVID uh, back in January, so I definitely get where you're coming from. So I know that the energy comes early and not late, so I'll try my best to... Um I'll try. I'll try my best to pick up the slack for you, as you know, as I as I usually do. But you know, this time <laughs> more because you're sickly and everything. But no, I'm glad that you came on. This is what playing through injury is like in the NFL, in equivalent <laughs> to the podcasting game. So we're glad. I'm glad you're here. Also, real quick before we get into the show, uh, it was so funny because the other day, uh, and I texted Ed about this, so I already I already roasted Ed for this, but uh, he texted, we were on the podcast the other day, and he asked me, when he mentioned an Appalachian State linebacker, he said, did I say Appalachiarite, Angelo? And I was like, yeah. And he said, oh, look at that, my first try. And I was like, Ed, you know Pennsylvania's an Appalachia too. So I was doing <laughs> for the Saints, the Appalachian linebacker. I, I saw that and I was like, let me look up like Appalachia to make sure I'm right and I wasn't BSing. Literally 98% of Pennsylvania is in the Appalachian mountain range. Where Ed's oh from, and, and Kentucky is literally. literally just the eastern side. Like, the rest of it is no traces of it. It's not a part of the mountain range at all. So, literally, other than eastern Kentucky, none of the, the state is. And his entire, where he is from, literally all of it is, is pretty much it. Appalachian. The only state that's well, more I'm covered is West Virginia, because it literally is the entire state. <laughs> Golly. Well, good thing Ed was able to pronounce it right then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's from his roots. He got he got that from his DNA knowledge. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Oh, Ed, we love that man. Love it. All righty, brother. Well, this is uh, I believe going to be our third uh, draft review show. So I, we've covered the Norths and the Easts, correct? So now we are on the AFC South and the NFC South. And boy, I mean, I prior to breaking this, these drafts down, I was not expecting me to feel as good about the entirety of the AFC South as I really did. So without any further ado, you, you mind if I hop right into my first grade? Don't worry, Hazard. Like, well, you can go, you can go ahead. You're, you're, you're essentially a bioweapon. So how, who am I to, you know, <laughs> who, who am I to say no to you? I don't want any threats. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, Angelo, I think I'm going to kick this one off with a, uh, a, a head scratcher a little bit for you. Prior to the start of the show, you you dropped a little hint on who you think my, my number one team was going to be, and I thought it was going to be my number one team. Looking looking deeper, looking into the needs, Angelo, it was so hard. I mean, and I might, I might come back to this and say, you know what, what was I thinking? But as of right now, 
I'm saying the Houston Texans had the best draft in the AFC South. Swerve! Okay, you know what? I'm I'm kind of down. Let's hear about it. Alrighty, so I mean, third overall pick, you got Devin Stingley, who, you know, we, we've talked about him in Sauce. It was, if you didn't have Sauce, you had Stingley. I mean, this is a guy that's going to be, you know, a guaranteed starter early on. And I think that, I mean, this is a perfect fit to a Houston secondary that can, you know, become pretty above average with the simple addition of Devin uh, Stingley. And then on top of that, I mean, what was the Texans' biggest need the last, I don't know, 10 years? It's offensive line. I mean, nobody in the league is getting hit more than those than those Houston boys. And I, I they finally got their guard to replace in Kenyon Green. And um, if, if I'm not mistaken, this was both of our uh, number one guard in the entire draft. Um, I... I... I said that I liked Kenyon Green better at tackle because the guard tape I saw, he looked okay. kind of bored. But I would say between him and Zion Johnson, yeah. And I would I would say that Green's probably like has the has the upside that you look for. Right. And the the thing that I love about Green is you know you're, you're bringing him to be a devastating run blocker. I don't think they're they have too high of expectations for him as a pass blocker because that was that wasn't necessarily what he flourished as, but. For a team that's, you know, rocking with Davis Mills under center, I don't expect him to be throwing the ball, you know, 35, 40 times a game. So you want to be able to build that in the trenches and bully some people. Angelo, one of my favorite picks they made this entire class was Jalen Petre. 37th overall, second round. I mean, this is a guy that legitimately, like, has first-round talent. It's just, you know, happened to fall to the second. But you you add another insane athlete to the secondary. Yes, this guy is... Like, versatile is the word to describe him. He has strong coverage skills. He's lined up as cornerback. He's lined up as single high. He's come down to play in the box to lay the boom in the run game. Uh, I think his versatility is is the perfect match for Lovey Smith's defense. I mean, we know that Lovey Smith is a defensive-minded guy, so he always likes to switch those defenses up. And having a guy like Jalen Petre, who's, I kind of feel like has kind of fallen under the radar a little bit, even though he, I truly believe he's one of the more talented defensive backs in all of this class. And yeah, you know, Angela, I'm not even done. There's two, three more picks I would argue were phenomenal. They got one of my favorite receivers in the draft. This is the guy that I thought the Cleveland Browns would be drafting had they had not traded. But they got John Mechie, another wide receiver who, you know, if it weren't for the ACL tear, there's there's zero chance that John Mechie's sitting there at pick 44. He's a fantastic route runner and will add, uh, like, I think, a much-needed piece to the receiving core to finally create that trio in Houston. Uh, they have Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks right now, but they're missing that guy that can consistently work underneath, be that natural uh, pass catcher. And Mechie's a guy that's, you know, they, they use that term quarterback's best friend. Uh, just those guys that instinctively understand how to consistently gain separation and it's not even like it's he's really trying to it's just somebody that is such a natural route runner this this list just keeps going on angelo christian harris at pick 75 christian harris was my linebacker three angelo linebacker three i think getting him at 75 was a steal to say the least Uh, he has all the he has all the upside in the world and i think he can he was not. I don't think he was consistently one of the best off-ball linebackers in the country. And Angelo, we're talking about four-four-four speed, a foe for foe, a Wendy's foe for foe speed. Hey, the Moses Malone foe, foe, foe. You can't pass up on that. And you know the explosiveness he has at the position. I mean, it, it's just 
I feel like any team in the NFL would be happy to have a guy like Christian Harris on their roster. He's a true, and I don't think there was anybody coming out of this draft that had a better understanding on angles in the game of football. And you listen to a guy like Ray Lewis that said, football is angles. That's all angles was. I became a dominant football player when I understood angles. And Christian Harris is somebody that is consistently praised for how well he attacks angles and just understands them. Uh, I, I would argue that this was the best value pick they had the entire draft. And then another pick I really wanted to highlight was Damian Pierce. I don't think he could have made more sense for the Texans. A small, compact frame makes him, he's, he's one heck of a player to tackle. I mean, you, you, you're going to have to get a couple guys on him or try a little, throw a little bola around his ankles to get him down. <laughs> I mean, his, his dense body helps him to be one of the best run-blocking running backs, or excuse me, pass-blocking running backs in the class too. And like I said, that with how much Davis Mills and Deshaun Watson were under pressure the last few seasons, they are looking for guys that can protect the quarterback and a guy that can be that has a legitimate chance to become the RB1 in Houston and a legitimate pass blocker is it was a phenomenal pickup and then you know they picked up Thomas Booker from Stanford a defensive tackle and at this point these are kind of just depth pickups after after Damian Pierce but I'm not exaggerating Angelo their first one two three four five six guys they drafted their first six picks are all probably going to be starters, which is pretty crazy to me. But they're all guys that I would be happy starting on my football team, Angelo. I mean, there's not a guy on here that I'm concerned. Like, I'm genuinely concerned about making the NFL level jump. I mean, and the guys they got from big schools. I mean, I, I absolutely love how the Texans attack this draft. And I think I loved it because they feel... I mean, let's be honest. The Texans could draft just about any position, and it's a position of need. Yeah. But I thought they got positions that are going to be instant impact makers. I mean, instantly. Yes, I I would have maybe liked to see them grab more than just one offensive lineman. I mean, they did with the last pick, but uh, I don't think he's going to be seeing the field. But the Texans couldn't have had a better draft for what they were doing. The fact that they traded up for Mechie shows that they want to finally put that receiving core together. And let's not forget, I mean, Nico Collins is is no slouch. Brandon Cooks is one of the most underrated football players in the I I didn't say wide receivers. I said football players in the mm -hmm. league. Brandon Cooks is legit. You add John Mechie to that. That's a legitimate receiving core. That is a legitimate core. So I'm excited. And Angelo, I gave them an A- minus for the draft. After hearing you go through it, I I completely agree. This this Texans team, I, especially leading off with Stingley, that was really bold, but I think that was absolutely necessary. And I, I sent you a snapshot of my first mock that I did back in January after the top you know 17 got solidified, and I had them taking Stingley at third mm -hmm. because I saw Stingley as a guy that they probably weren't in the range of picking until Stingley kind of, you know, dropped. He wasn't mm -hmm. viewed as a potential number one pick, even in a, like, think about it. Stingley from two years ago in a draft that lacked a number one quarterback, he could have been the first defensive back to go number one, I think maybe ever. So it, it, it was someone that I thought in terms of talent, to team need, to just rebranding that Stingley would be perfect, and I'm really glad that they did that. I thought that was a great pick. Green, I think you're underrating a little bit that that I think that 
they did they did pick up Titus Howard's option. He I, I I don't know. I just saw a couple of games where he played at tackle. I really liked him. If he can if he can bring that fervor to guard, I do think they could pass a lot. Think about the receiving core you just said. If they mm-hmm. and I think Davis Mills is was bred to be a big time passer. I think that this offense could really open up in a really fun way. Uh, Petrie, I'll leave the safeties to you. You did the safety breakdown, so if you like it, I like it. Uh, Mechie, I thought, was just a perfect pick for the team. For Mechie, for like just everything, that pick, I was like, you know what? If there was one team that should have gotten John Mechie from this draft, it is the Texans. I, I don't know why. I just felt it. Christian Harrison, the third round, I mean, maximizing value for a potential 10-year starter. And then, like you said with Pierce, think about this, too. And it was something that I had identified, and I'd mentioned it before. Houston's first six picks were either in their area, went to an SEC school, or both in the terms of green. You got LSU, which is not far from Houston, also an SEC school. You've got Kenyon Green, Texas A&M, Jalen Petrie, Baylor, Mechie, Alabama, Harris, Alabama, Pierce, Florida, in their first six picks. They really relied on their area scout and going to the best conference and the best schools in the conference. I thought that their strategy was so sound. I I just completely agree with you. And, And though there was a different team I thought could be number one, I am not going to argue just based off of what what you what we're saying that they did right and you, know, you highlighted that the the texans did such a phenomenal job on you know kind of highlighting the guys in their area i mean maybe those boys from dallas need to get a few uh a few little hints and tidbits from houston because they did they had the same approach but it just was not near the same success so houston showed how to do it right this time they absolutely did and it's fun to see it's fun to see houston actually have like a a bed of picks and see what they do with this rebuild and I think first you know swing of the bat I gotta say I agree they did well well alrighty my friend I think that carries me into the the team I think a lot of people were expecting to be the number one overall and before I go any further I just want to say the AFC South they they really did a good job so even the team I uh, throwing after this is truly closer to to the number two than they are I would say than like a number four like they all had like very solid drafts I would not be upset if I was a fan of any of these teams but without any further ado the second best draft in the AFC South was the Tennessee Titans there we go that was the team that and- I thought could be number one but after your Houston breakdown I was like all right but let's see if you swing me the other way because I know you're going to be complimentary <laughs> about the Titans draft so I'm over here with kind of a like a like a I'm watching you bowling type of eye okay <laughs> all righty all righty let's do it so with the first first round pick pick 18 overall they drafted Traylon Burks aka AJ Brown 2.0 and you know, I the vision with this is, I mean, it's immaculate. You, the, Yes, you're taking a gamble on a guy that's never played a snap in the NFL, hoping that he could be what A.J. Brown was. And, you know, that's that's never, ever a guarantee. But you're also getting yourself out of a, what, a $20 million a year contract with A.J. Brown. So you have a guy that has, you know, that has been labeled to have the potential to be A.J. Brown for absolutely dirt cheap compared to a guy that you're going to be paying, you know, like a hundred million dollars nearly. I I just, the way they handled that, the thought process behind it was perfect. I don't think that 
there was a better way to execute that. I don't think there was a better player to replace AJ Brown, despite all the the early mini camp concerns. You know, the first practice he wasn't able to make it all the way through, and I believe the third practice he wasn't able to make it all the way through to due to some breathing issues. But look at what the dude did in Arkansas. I don't think it's going to be too big of a concern. I mean, there's a lot of players that come into the league and just are like, okay, got to get it together. This is the big leagues. Maybe I'm not as in shape as I thought it was, but. I mean, go go look at Traylon Burks. The dude's in shape. I I'm not too worried about his first week of rookie training camps. Um, so I don't know. I, just truly, it's not great to lead off with their first pick and just be like, "Hey, couldn't breathe," yeah. <laughs> like you know. Yeah, but but, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if, if his endurance gets up to speed in come regular season, and if he can, you know, is the one the big knock on him coming out of college was route tree is very limited, but. If you can get those two things kind of up and rolling by the time the season comes around, I could see him being a issue for defenses his his rookie season. And then hop into Roger McCreary. I think he was an excellent selection alongside Caleb Farley and Christian Fulton. I think this forms a very young but unproven yet talented second uh, cornerback squad. I mean, all of those guys, I mean, Christian Fulton stepped in and was able to be that guy. And Caleb Farley, yes, he was injured, but when he was playing, I mean, we have... I know you are huge on Caleb Farley. He was your uh, number one corner. He was last absolutely year, my number one corner with a bullet last year. I love it. And so all those guys, I mean, that's all the potential in the world for that secondary. It's just it needs to come together. And McCreary, I mean, I I truly do believe McCreary does have first round talent. I don't think he's going to crack the. You know, I think he's not going to be the instant starter, but I expect him to see the field quite a bit his rookie season. I'm not too sure how they're going to be utilizing him. Uh, I don't know if they'll like him in the slot. I don't know if they're going to like him more outside, but uh, McCreer, was McCreer a guy that you said could have fallen like mid first round, right? Uh, fall. No, I thought, I thought he could fall to day three. I, I was day three. Who was there was another guy that I, sorry, there was a corner that you were, you were saying that you think he could go day one, but Oh, was it Kyler Gordon? But no, I, uh, it it might have been. It might have been. I don't know. I, I do. I do. No, when I when I did my breakdown, I appreciate you bringing that up. You can actually go hear Brendan and I's thoughts on the cornerbacks, linebackers, safeties, all of those positions on on a prior show where uh, I talked about my top ten corners, and uh, I, I don't I don't want to step on your toes at all, but I actually thought that McCreary was a huge reach at the top of the third round. Okay. Uh, his athletic profile was underwhelming, not only in the terms of like he had okay speed, like the agility and, and explosion weren't fantastic, and he has really short arms. He's really small. I thought he could be like a special teamer, like heart and soul of of like a team from a personality wise. But in terms of in terms of just physical talent and what I saw on tape, like he's definitely a good tryhard player. But I was. I was pretty surprised after I did my scouting on McCreary to see him go at the top of the second. Alrighty, well, hey, I respect your opinion, Angelo. That doesn't that but, doesn't sound uh, like a man that respects my opinion. Okay, Bolin, I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> well, I I respect your opinion. I completely disagree with it and think you're wrong and that you're stupid. But you know, I respect your opinion. <laughs> but you're Angelo, so I love you and respect you. <laughs> but, no, uh, but you know, hopping into their next pick. Um, hopefully, I don't butcher his name. My apologies, Petite Freire. Nicholas Petit Freire. Did, did I did I kill that or no? Uh, no, it is Petit. I think it's Petit Freire. But you know, maybe Freire. maybe we can All get right. a Frenchman Perfect. on to to to. I think it's Nicholas <laughs> Petit Freire. 
There we go. That's the money. That's the money. You know, honestly, the pick makes sense here. This is a guy that people say has a really low floor, really high ceiling. Uh, but what we saw from him at Ohio State was a 6'5", 315-pound dominant run blocker. Uh, he has super strong lateral quick quickness and can move like like no other for a guy that size. Uh, the All the concerns you see on him are, you know, his, his technicality and pass blocking and how reliable and consistent he can be. But, I mean, you know, when you're playing for the Tennessee Titans – you just got to be really, really good at blocking the run, right? Yep. I mean, that's a team that likes to run the ball about 50 times a game. So um, if, if they can get that true dominant run blocker out of him, I think that's going to be a fantastic fit. Now, this is the pick y'all have been waiting for, Mr. Malik Willis. I mean, I think some would argue that this Malik Willis in the third round was the biggest steal in the draft. I mean, especially after people thought he would be, you know, a, a top 10 pick potentially. You know, first round at the minimum was, I think, a, a pretty heavy consensus around the league. So, well, at least in, in the... In draft circles. World, yeah, apparently in the league, yes, they yes. said, no, in no, the no. League, they're like, no, thank you. No, thank you. But, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's another guy that has, you know, super high ceiling, super low floor. It's, he has all the potential in the world, but has question marks about making that NFL jump. I don't think people are necessarily denying the talent he brings, but the simplicity of Liberty's offense... I mean, that's a scare to NFL teams. I mean, he half the time, he's not calling plays at Liberty. He's looking at the sideline, and he's not really commanding that offense. You know, you, you come to a, any NFL-level te- uh, offense, it's, it's going to be significantly harder to understand, significantly harder to process than an offense like Liberty's. So, uh, if, but, if, I mean, if he could prove that he can be a legitimate leader, and that's one thing that I think that we've kind of passed on, the last few weeks, I've been talking nothing about the mentality of a quarterback and seeing the way that Malik Willis talks, seeing the way that he's handled himself with, you know, the Ryan Tannehill stuff, seeing the way that other people talk about him. I mean, this is a leader. There's no question about that this guy can lead a football team. This guy can be the heart and soul of a locker room. I truly, truly believe that. I mean, Malik Willis is a phenomenal human being, and he's just one of the dudes on top of that. And that is something that is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important about being successful. And so it's it's just truly about can you process this much going on in the NFL? Can you make an NFL level audible? And it's, it's silly that people, you know, that I, it's not silly that he fell to the third round for that. You got to be able to run a defense. But I think that people are, you know, kind of undermining the fact that this dude's like, he really could take over as the franchise quarterback of of the Titans, especially you know you know how we feel about Ryan Tannehill. So I'm uh, yeah. I'm I'm praying that Malik Willis can put it together because I I mean, dude, could you imagine how fun of an offense that would be if Malik Willis was you know they were able to develop an offense with him and Derrick Henry and the versatility that Traylon Burks brings that offense can do just about anything if he comes to be what we want him to be. So I I think that many, many people in the world would argue Malik Willis in the third round was the biggest steal of the draft. Now, this was a pick that for some reason I saw a lot of scouts didn't really like this next pick I'm going to talk about. And that's Hassan Haskins. Can oh, I, yeah, go ahead. Can go I ahead, please just, I, I was going to wait till the end, but you kind of said something that I, I wanted to hit on. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. I'm not saying that Ryan Tannehill is as bad as Joe Flacco was in 2018. So please don't misconstrue that. I actually don't think Ryan Tannehill's terrible, to be honest. Like I just I just think that you can do better. 
But there's potential for a midseason swap a la Lamar and Flacco to where this mm-hmm. Willis Henry offense could be like dual threat scary hours. No, I, I 100% agree. And I'll, I'll touch on the Tannehill. Like, yeah, I don't think Tannehill's like a bottom five quarterback in the league. But, you know, when I see people putting him in like the top 12, I'm like, okay, come on. Come on. <laughs> let's, 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 let's pump the brakes a little bit, folks. Sorry, this is, this is uh, off topic real quick. Ryan Tannehill or Jimmy Garoppolo? I just need to know that. Oh, God. Ryan Tannehill, seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Jim, I would take – I would take – I don't know. Like, I, who's the who's the USFL quarterback that's, like, fifth in passing yards? I'll take him. Like, I'm – I am so – out on Jimmy Garoppolo, like I, I literally, literally, I, I, I would, I would choose to play quarterback. If my team had a Super Bowl in line, I'd be like, all right, roll me out there, put me in there, baby. Oh God, all right, perfect answer, perfect answer, Angelo. That's a way to get me juiced up again. So. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's but. not even dis- Jimmy. Seems like a cool dude. Like it's not even dissing oh, no, him as a awesome. person. Yeah. I just, I, I. As a guy that's gotten beat by him, there's nothing that's ever been more frustrating as a Packers fan. Seeing a guy that I'm like, oh, this guy can't pass like five yards. Like he just can't. Like I'm so, oh, he's so bad. So bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I love it. Well, let's let's let Jimmy Garoppolo rest and I'll hop into my next pick. Sorry, Jimmy. It's, 49, you know, 49ers are too. Yeah. <laughs> He's lucky he's a handsome man. That's all I got to say. Yep. But alrighty. Well, this next pick that I absolutely loved for the Titans, Angelo, that I was saying that not a lot of people liked as much as me was drafting Hassan Haskins. And I, I mean, to me, that you have Derrick Henry who, yes, he's not an injury-prone running back by any means, but he had a significant foot injury last season. You kind of saw the offense not really reach where it's at with a Derrick with a health I mean it's impossible to ever reach the level of offense you have when you have a healthy Derrick Henry back there but it would be nice to have an incredibly serviceable guy that kind of brings a similar skill set so you're not completely changing the complexion of your offense like they had to do and that's why drafting a guy like Hassan Haskins was in the fourth round was a fantastic pick fantastic pick I, I mean he touches the ball 40 times a game. So I, I truly think keeping a, a bruiser as his backup is is going to be perfect. I mean, normally I like the guy to have a backup that has a you know different kind of play style to bring that versatility, but we know how the Titans like to play football. They wanna they they wanna make you scared to come tackle the running back. So get go get one of the hardest running backs to tackle in this draft in Hassan Haskins. I really, really, truly believe that. You know, I, I hope to God we get to see a completely healthy uh, Derrick Henry for the rest of his career. But, you know, a guy that touches the ball 40-plus times a game, it's hard to consistently stay at that level. So I absolutely think this was one of my favorite picks they made in the entire draft. And, yeah, this is— uh, To further that— This is the last thing, because oh, I, I, usually I like to let you go through and I give my opinions at the end, but you're there's such intriguing dialogue that you're bringing up because Haskins was— he was the highest rated running back that looked like Derrick Henry in this draft. Like, if you look at the all the other running back picks before Haskins, there was no other 6'2", 220-pound running back. Like, he was, at the time he was picked, by far the biggest back picked, and it's perfect. Like, a couple of years ago, they drafted Darrington Evans to be, like, the third down back, and I don't even think he's on the team anymore. 
they realized when Henry got hurt, they're like, oh, we just need to like this offense will still function if we can just get like a facsimile of it or, or, or a similar player. I don't think facsimile is the right word, but a, a similar player to just mimic what he does so we can still run our concepts. I agree with you. Like looking into that pick after the fact, I was like, oh, that's genius. Yeah, and I, I just I really think a lot of people are kind of abandoning the fact that this is like like oh, they didn't need another running back. I mean, look how many they have on the depth chart. Okay, yeah, that's not everything, man. That's that's truly not everything. So you Well, you didn't said they sign perfectly. Adrian Peterson out of nowhere last year or is it is or am I misremembering the year they signed him or something like Um like, no, that was I believe that was last year when Adrian Peterson was on like the Titans and the Seahawks. Yeah, so I like think very, yeah, I think I think weird. that they could use a running back. <laughs> I, I love Adrian Peterson, by the way. I was so hyped when he was when he was signed by him. I was so happy. But same, but he finished with like fifteen yards. <laughs> oh, but hey, hey, it was glorious for the three weeks he was there. But no, obviously, if they're signing guys midseason, they can use a running back. So anybody that says they didn't need another running back, I I push back. I agree. And then one one last pick I really wanted to highlight on was Kyle Phillips, um, another player that didn't really have the hype, but was a name that a lot of people know. And I doubt he cracks the lineup super early on, but I expect him to make a, a really, you know, I, I expect him to make a good contribution, especially in the deep game. I just, in a room that needs depth, he provides it. I don't think there's much more about that. I mean, they brought in Robert Woods, who I think they're really excited about, and Traylon Burks. Uh, I, I think it's a minute before he cracks the lineup, but I really do think Kyle Phillips, by the end of the season, could potentially be that third receiver. So that that brings me with the grade of a B plus, Angelo, a B plus. Now I don't know if I would have given them a B plus overall had they had not landed Malik Willis. I would have probably been B B minus range, but a B plus I feel comfortable giving to the Tennessee Titans. That's interesting. I would probably have B plus as the as the grade I would give them. I don't think I could have gone lower. I, I thought that you know trading Brown for Burks. I mean, you you know you had to you had to do what you had to do. I'm not sure if that'll work out long term, but I I mean Brown was Brown is young and good, but I think he's a little overrated to be on. I mean personally, I think he's a little overrated. People want to put him in that tier A wide receiver class, and he's not that. He's injury prone. He would have cost a ton of money, and there was a point that people made like how can we pay him more than Derrick Henry, you know, for everything that Henry right. does. If it wasn't for McCreary, I would have had this draft. Like, if they would have drafted Kyler Gordon instead of McCreary, I mean, you could convince me that their top five to six picks were home runs. Like, Petit Friere in the in the third round as an offensive tackle, and then they moved the second-round offensive lineman from North Dakota State, Dylan, like, Reduns or Randuns. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. But kicking him inside to guard – Getting Luan back, like, dude, like, I thought with that, with Willis, of course, like, and then Haskins, if if they would have picked Gordon instead of McCreary, I would have been like, man, this was a foundational draft for the Titans. No, I agree, and honestly, I'm, I agree with you. I think Gordon should have gone before McCreary. I think Gordon was the better player for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 110%. I think I'm a little bit higher on McCreary than you are. But you are, and that's fair. Like I, I said, mean, McCreary could be awesome, and I'm wrong. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, but no, I, I think that the Titans, they had a plan in the draft, and they executed it to the fullest. I don't think that they you know, were messing around. I don't think they took any player they really didn't want. 
the Titans did what the Titans had to do, and I think it's that simple. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, and that brings me into my number three team. And honestly, this was probably like the most intriguing draft out of any of them, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. <clears throat> I mean, before I get into it, um, a sentence to describe this draft, elite athletes on elite athletes on elite athletes on elite yes, athletes. Sir. And that pretty much sums up the Colts draft. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not joking. They did not draft a player that doesn't count as an elite athlete. Alec Pierce, wide receiver from Cincinnati. I mean, 6'3", 4'4", 40-yard dash, and a 40.5 vert. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's all the makings to be a legitimate deep threat in the NFL, and I think that he instantly will come in and be that number two wide receiver to Michael Pittman. And I, I mean, gosh, Jelani Woods. There has never been a better tight end to test at the Combine than Jelani Woods. I, I mean, Jelani Woods is the equivalent to a player you'd build in Madden because you're messing around with your buddies. Standing at 6'7", yes, you heard me correctly, 6'7", he is, like I said, the most athletic tight end to ever test at the NFL Combine. Ran a 4'6", 140, and a 6.95 three-cone drill. At 6'7", Angelo. <laughs> I mean, if, if this guy's used correctly, he has all the makings to be, like, a like red zone threat to the fullest. I mean, if you're creating a guy that you want to be dominant in the red zone, you create J- Jelani Woods, man. And ever since he transferred to, like, the season he transferred to Virginia, his, his production skyrocketed. So as long as this guy's utilized right, he can be a legitimate weapon in the NFL. And then Bernard Raymond... Uh, was an absolute steal in the third round. A guy that a lot of people had projected in the second. A freak athlete. I mean, the guy used to play tight end, Angelo. <laughs> the guy used to play tight end. And he has great, I mean, so that gives him great body control. Guys that have played, like, skilled positions like that before just understand their body a lot better, I feel like. Uh, I think he's still a little raw in the technical side of things, but uh, I think his physical upside is going to give him the opportunity to crack the starting lineup by week one. I really think he can be a starting tackle on that Colts offensive line. And, you know, that Colts line, is it's it's kind of fluctuated. Like, two years ago, it was far and away the best, and then last season it was the best, and then it was struggling, and it's the best. So hopefully he can bring some true dominant consistent, consistency to that offensive line. Now the next pick, I absolutely, this is, I would argue this is probably my favorite pick that they made, and that's Nick Cross. I don't know if you remember, but when we were going over our underrated, overrated, and like a, best or something like that. I had Nick Cross as my most underrated safety in the entire class. And it was just, the dude has a perfectly complete game. I I wouldn't say he's a perfect player, but the dude can do everything you ask him to do. I've seen him be used as a single high. I've seen him utilized in cover two. I've seen him down in the box. I've seen him near the line of scrimmage. And he's a super fast and physical guy that athletically tested elitely, elitely, elitely. They they did not let up on that. Was he he a good athletic tester? Uh, no, he's, yeah, he's pretty decent. <laughs> it was elitely. No, <laughs> no, not elite. good. Elitely. Yeah, baby. Like, seriously, they did not let up. They drafted Eric Johnson, who I think is going to be a rotational guy at defensive tackle early on for Missouri State. But the the sheer explosion this guy brings from the position, it's going to be, in, you're not going to want to keep him off the field for too long. You're absolutely going to let him get in there a few times. And uh, this is a guy that I truly think any NFL team would like to have on their roster for at least developmental purposes. This guy 
like what he brings from like he just has a such a vicious strike dude his explosion he brings with his hands and his legs if he can get the bag of tricks in there and pair that with his just athletic side boy boy does indy have a football team brewing over there and then they draft curtis brooks who actually was one of the most if not the most effective interior defensive lineman in all of college football last season, Angelo. His pass rush grade was number one for any defensive interior lineman in all of college ball. So I think that that could be the sleeper. I mean, the last pick, that, or one of the last picks that they had could truly be like their biggest sleeper pick of the draft, which is just insane. To, like the guy they got at 216th overall can somehow be one of their most valuable picks. And the, I truly love how they attacked it because it's going to make it easier to guess who they're going to draft in future in future drafts they're just going to get athletes but if you are not hitting the weight room before you go to play indie i'm sorry you're going to lose absolutely because this team athletically i mean the 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 gms they even uh, i have a friend that's a colts fan and he sent me something that they had said where they said we don't pick elite athletes on purpose like we try to take great football players but there's a more likely chance that they're successful when they are elite athletes so really it is a fundamental thing that this front office is looking for and that's going to help you and I going forward when we're making our mock drafts and identifying players for the Colts I mean I'll just hit on a couple like Alec Pierce uh, he's, I mean, let's do the white wide receiver trope. I mean, you're talking about Jordy Nelson, like all over again with his athletic profile, second round pick, all of that stuff. I mean, I've liked Alec Pierce for a while, like going back to last year. I'm, I'm really glad that I was able to catch him watching from Zaven Collins tape is how I found me some Alec Pierce. So I was like, cool, 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 cool. It's, it's, it's good to latch on to those types. Jelani Woods. He might not be the fastest tight end in combine history, but in relation to his size, I mean, he was he blew it out of the water. He has, a, I think, he potentially has Jimmy Graham potential, and I think that would be the comparison if you're looking at the high end. I think maybe Jimmy Graham was a little more fluid, but we're talking about two guys that are basketball players out there playing the tight end position. Uh, they gave up a third round pick in next year's draft to move up for Nick Cross. So that was a bold move. I think it was like a third next year and a fifth to move up for Cross. But if it's someone that can help your football team right now, like the Colts are trying to do, I, I, I agree with you. I think that their draft is a very meat and potatoes, but we're talking about meat and potatoes from a top flight restaurant because of all the all the speed and athleticism they got out of it. No, absolutely. You you couldn't have put it better. I, I, honestly, like, I think it's it's Jelani Woods might be the player I'm most excited to see just because what he brings as a physical, like, just as a, like, he's just a monster of a human being. And I, I always love seeing, like, those huge tight ends that simply just bully people do their size. But do you ever get scared, like, of those guys, though? Because there's so many drafts where we identify the next Jimmy Graham, the next Tony Gonzalez types in the third, fourth, fifth round, and they never pan out. It always just makes me gun-shy. Right. It's 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 so... I mean, to have a truly elite tight end is such a weapon because they are so rare. Absolutely. Well, alrighty, my friend. I think uh, if I did, didn't hear my grade for that, I gave the uh, I gave the Colts a B plus to B range. 
Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Right. I can see that. Well, and that wraps it up to my last team. And, you know, honestly, it's, yeah, they had the worst draft in the division. But in essence, it really wasn't a quote-unquote bad draft, Angelo. So without any further ado, the Jacksonville Jaguars, first overall selection in the 2022 NFL draft. They took a chance and drafted Trayvon Walker from Georgia. You know, I, I think it's risky to take a chance on somebody rather than, you know, drafting the best player in the draft in Aiden Hutchinson. We know the physical freak Trayvon Walker is, uh, but he, he, lacked, he lacked the production behind a very, very talented Georgia defense. So, yeah, I, like, it's that's something that I've tried to convince myself to not look too deep into because, uh, in all honesty, how can you, like, it's, it's got to be hard to dominate statistically on that Georgia team. But, you know, there were guys that were drafted way later that had significantly better stats. But, you know, this is just kind of one that we're going to have to wait to sit back and see if the gamble paid off. If not, this could be another uh, Jags blunder. But I, I see the direction they're trying to go in, you know, especially after drafting Devin Lloyd later in the first round with the 27th overall pick. I think he's a great—I mean— Devin Lloyd, yet another player any NFL team would be happy to have on their football team. I think he has a true dominating factor about him. He's excellent in just about anything you ask him to do from a linebacker. Uh, his lateral quickness makes him such a good blitzer. I, I mean, I've seen plays where he's like literally running full speed downfield and is able to like get three yards over to, to find a gap in the blink of an eye. I mean, it's just... And it's not like he's rounding it. Like, it's just such a quick lateral step that he's going to be insane. And that quickness also helps him be decent in coverage against tight ends and stuff. So, once again, another player any NFL team would be happy to have on their football team. And, um, Angelo, your boy, a Kentucky boy, Luke Fortner. Let's go! I, I, yeah, and this is somebody that played guard and center, if I'm not mistaken, right? I you think... are not mistaken. Way to get well-versed here on the Kentucky football <laughs> scene. I'm going to make you a wildcat before long, Bowling. <laughs> I got to, Angela, I got, especially for you, my That's man. That's my but, dude. You no, know, I think I think he brings a, a pretty balanced skill set from the run and pass game. It's a great, valuable pick, and I, I think they may have landed themselves a starter in the third round, Angelo, especially with how that offensive line is looking right now. Um, I, I think they might be pretty happy to start him over Ben Barch. So, well, I will say this. I, I it was interesting. You say that name. I, I'm going to be honest with you all. I, I'm not perfect when it comes to stuff. I actually was not very well versed. I, I didn't like, I hadn't heard Ben Barch's name until today. And I've heard it twice because I read an <laughs> athletic so article where they were at the pro bowl and they said, who's an underrated offensive player. And one person at the pro bowl and they couldn't vote for someone on their team said Ben Barch. And now you did. I think – no, they, I, I'll, so, I'll say this, Brendan. Um, just being uh, in, in the Kentucky scene, this was a pick to make him their starting center because okay, they had okay. lost their center, and now they are replacing him. Fortner will step in as the day one starting center. Okay. I, I, can I ask you, how do you feel about him starting that center? Would you prefer him as a guard or a center or really no preference? I feel like that center is probably the best fit in terms of when you look at a physical and athletic profile in transitioning into the NFL. I think especially when you look at some of these guards that have been taken, like if you look at 
when we were talking about Kenyon Green earlier, there's a there's a big pretty big physical disparity between Kenyon Green and and Luke Fortner. I think yeah. I think center is exactly where he should play and where he fits into at the NFL level. And it was really head heady by the coaching staff here at Kentucky. And again, it really helped when Liam Cohen, who's the new offensive coordinator of the Rams coming in, putting him at center, and putting him in a pro-style NFL offense to show teams that he could be successful at it. So I I think that it was a perfect marriage of player and need. Did he, did he go a tad high? Probably, but it was because they had an immediate need to fill it starter. It reminds me of when they picked, a, I think it was Josh Oliver a couple of years ago. Now that pick didn't work out. I'm not saying that he's Josh Oliver level. I'm just saying that uh, they did identify a certain need to start right away, and that's what Fortner is going to do for the Jaguars. Well, perfect. I appreciate that, Angelo. And then uh, going into their next pick, this was actually a pick that I was a fan of, but a lot of the draft community wasn't. It was. It's probably because I, I had Chad Muma in my in my top ten linebackers, so I had an opportunity to watch him quite a bit, and uh, I love the player. I I think he's just somebody that's going to be a guaranteed guy that's going to get you like, like Chad Moon was a guy that could be your leading tackler on your football team. I really, really do believe that. And, you know, after the failed experiment with Joe Schobert a couple years ago, I think they're really trying to find that guy that can just consistently be at the top of the leaderboards when it comes to making the tackles. Because, I mean, nobody's really vaunted by the Jags, by the Jags defense. And I, I think that they're trying to take it a few years back and recreate that 2017 defense, you know, because... They're, they're attacking the defensive line. They've drafted a few corners. They brought in Shaq Griffin last year. And then, you know, they go and get a guy that they are hoping is going to be the best edge rusher in the class. And then they get Devin Lloyd, who is the best linebacker. And then Chad Muma, to, who I honestly think could crack the starting lineup. Uh, I really do. And I think, like we mentioned it last week, keeping your defense young is so important and keep and young and talented, you know, you can have all the young guys in the world, but it doesn't matter if they're not talented. Mm-hmm. And I, I truly think all the guys that I've mentioned right now on the defensive side of the ball are going to be talented, even if there's a question mark about Trayvon Walker's dominance and should he have been the number one overall pick? I'm not doubting he's going to be a good football player, you know. I just still have questions about should he have been the guy. But um, those were all picks that I actually, I, I was a fan, on, a fan of. I absolutely hated the next pick, despite really liking his name. Snoop Connor, super cool name, but don't love the pick. Running back from Ole Miss, they got him in the fifth round, so can't complain too much, but this is a guy that's like guaranteed third string. I mean, unless you're not fully sold on Travis Etienne being completely healthy and back and ready to rock and roll. Or Robinson, because uh, of that Achilles yeah, well, tear. Because Yeah, Robinson's the like far away number one, but Etienne is, is the backup that they drafted in the first round last year. So if you're not expecting his foot to be completely healthy, maybe you drafted him as a backup. I'm trying to make well, no, make no. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm pretty sure that James Robinson tore his Achilles in like week 16 or 17. Oh, really? I let's see. Yeah, he's a. Uh, Let's see. I, I'm looking it up right now. It even says, you know, Jaguars head oh, coach yeah. provides an update on James Robinson. Uh, yeah, it was. Okay. Uh, yeah, he tore his Achilles against the Jets on December 26th. Well, alrighty then. I uh, let's just act like I never said anything, you guys. What a <laughs> fantastic pick by the Jaguars. <laughs> But <laughs> no, th- thanks for filling me in on that, Angelo, because I truly like 
I I was did not know that, so I was kind of just like, well, maybe they want a, a real good special teamer or something. But no, I uh, that that absolutely makes sense to me now because I saw that Etn was he was training during the the camps this week. So and I did confirm it. He did tear his Achilles against the Jets uh, the day after Christmas, and that makes okay. sense because Snoop Connors profile it's it's really hilarious because what robinson and etn were like at least in in an idea is what connor and ely were who did it like ely was the the running back at ole miss that i even had a friend that watched him and was like that guy's gonna be good and he didn't get drafted and i swore that he was going to be like a mid-round pick at worst and he that, that was kind of the compliment so yeah i think that connor must have been the if things just go completely wrong with Robinson, he he'll be the thunder back to to Etienne's lightning. No, one hundred and ten percent. And I mean, with if you have a guy with the na- first name Snoop on the board, I mean, how how are you going to pass Snoop Connie Con? C O double N. I love it. I love it. But and then they, they with the last two picks, they take two cornerbacks, which is very much a position they are lacking depth at. So that's there's nothing more than just than providing some depth for your secondary with those last two picks. So I'm going to give the Jaguars a C+. Uh, I was debating on doing a C plus or B-, minus, but if Trayvon Walker becomes an absolute menace to society, we'll bump him up to a B. How's that sound? That sounds good to me. I, I, I'm obviously dubious of the Walker pick. And it's funny because as much as that was the case, imagine if you flipped it, would you like it more or less if they took Devin Lloyd number one overall and then Trayvon <laughs> Walker 27? Like, I feel like that like low key, even though we both like Lloyd, maybe more as a prospect that it, it we would have it lower. <laughs> like, isn't yeah, right? that crazy? No, 110%. <laughs> it's crazy how that works. But yeah, like I, Here's the thing. I think you're totally right. Their linebacking core should be the number one linebacking core in the league. Because they signed, I can't say his name, but like the guy from Atlanta, they gave a big contract to, the linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they drafted, like you said, Muma and, of course, Devin Lloyd. And then they already have Josh Allen at one outside linebacker. And now they have Walker and Kalevon Chase on at the other. Like, they... They, they should have the best second level in football next year. They really made that a priority. And someone said this, and it kind of made sense. They were like, well, you have to face Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry for the foreseeable future. And having guys like Lloyd and Walker to, to be able to track those guys down, it was a specific play to win the division. And I think it'll be interesting. I th- It all hinges on Walker, of course. I mean, that goes without saying. He's the number one overall pick. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would have probably maybe giving them a b minus but i can see c plus and why i mean like i i i think you're more right than wrong to be honest awesome well hey if angelo says so then i'll take it and run with it oh thank you thank you my man thank you <laughs> well now now that we got the afc south I, I like i said it was actually surprisingly a really good uh di- draft division this year i mean that we got we got 50 in and that i mean that's the reason why is because i thought i like with you i mean they, they like us I, I said this about it before we got on the show this draft for the drafts for the south it doesn't have a high ceiling in my opinion but it has a really high floor Agreed. that all these draft classes could bring like a foundation like a depth to it like a depth to all these teams, or or even starters that are going to be good. I don't think you're going to get maybe any transcendent piece outside of potentially Stingley or a guy that's going to be a complete game wrecker unless Walker works out, but you're going to get a lot of 
really good players. And then, you know, maybe a franchise quarterback out of Willis. Who knows? No, absolutely. I, I just like, I, if I'm a fan of any of these teams, I was not upset after draft, after the draft. Like, I truly believe that I, I wouldn't put any of these teams near the bottom 10 of the draft. Well, if you're a Jags fan and they took Walker over Hutchinson, I'm sure you'd have been a little upset. True. Yeah, you're probably not. <laughs> you're probably not too happy. <laughs> true that. True that. But. All right. Let's go to the NFC South. My number one team won't come as a surprise uh, to anybody that's listened recently and how I've felt, especially the show that you and I did, where we did our uh, where we did our best uh, best team drafts. Uh, my number one team was the Carolina Panthers. In round one, they picked Ikemaquanu at sixth overall, offensive tackle out of NC State. Round three, pick ninety four, Matt Corral. They, which I'll get to some of the values in these a little later. In round four, they picked up Brandon Smith. Round six, Amari Barno, the edge from Virginia Tech. By the way, Brandon Smith, linebacker, Penn State. Uh, round six, pick 199, future seven-time Super Bowl champion quarterback, Cade Mays, uh, who plays offensive line now, but, you know, pick 199. You, do you, I don't know if you know this. You know who was the 199th pick of the draft, Brendan? Who was? It was Tom Brady. Not a lot of people oh, know yeah. that. Not a lot of people know that, but he was. Uh, offensive lineman from Tennessee. And then in round seven, at pick 242, they picked Kalon Barnes, the cornerback out of Baylor. Cornerback out of Baylor. I gave their draft an A. A solid, firm A. The Panthers were short on draft picks due to the Sam Darnold and C.J. Henderson trades, but I actually believe those are positive assets to this draft. Like, if you would have said, hey, you trade you in the second round. You drafted Sam Darnold and you got him for a year before you picked him. I think that that's a pretty positive thing. And then trading a third round pick for C.J. Henderson, who was the ninth overall pick of the draft two years ago, and I thought who I wasn't as high on as everybody else was coming out, but his rookie year really swayed me. I thought he had an outstanding rookie year. So to pick him up because he had beef with Urban Meyer, of all people, like is a joke. Like That, that was a steal right. for the Panthers, who turned around their cornerback court in one year. You know, they went from nobody to, like, they, they got J.C. Horn, C.J. Henderson, Stephon Gilmore at one point. I know he's not on the team anymore. Uh, but who did, who did Gilmore end up going to? The Colts. Yeah, he ended up going to the yes, Colts. Sir. And then they, they still have Jackson from LSU. So it, it I, I thought that using your second and thirds – on those guys, I, I would do that every day of the week. Even if Darnold doesn't pan out. I would rather have Darnold and try than not. Uh, they also traded a third-round pick in next year's draft to move up for Corral. But I'm okay with that. Let's start off at the top. I'm not sure there was a mock draft that had Ikemaquanu dropping right into the Panthers' lap. But I'm pretty sure they'll take it, and they did. Uh, I had Charles Cross above Aquanu, but I had Aquanu as a franchise-level player. In this draft, I, I I can't fault the pick at all. Aquanu had one of the most intriguing physical skill sets, uh, and I thought he had the in, in the entire draft. I had the I thought he had the most intriguing physical talents of all the top tackles, and I think he could start from day one. I, I thought this was there's not a better player need team fit than Aquanu to the Panthers. Uh, like I said, Corral, they cost him a third-round pick next year, fourth-round pick in this draft, but it's worth it. I mean, it, Corral has all the talent. He has the pedigree. He's got everything that you look for for a developmental quarterback prospect, 
I just thought that that was a no-brainer, especially for them. And on day three, they really focused on team speed defense with Smith and Barno, and specifically Barnes. I mean, he's he, he may never develop into a starting-level cornerback, but he's so fast that at the very least you get a guy that's an immediate threat in the return game. And I just thought that, and, and you know, Baylor guy with Matt Rule, but I love what Matt Rule's done with this defense. And to back it up with all of this speed, like Barno, I think, ran like a 4-3-9 or something crazy Golly. as an edge rusher. Smith was a, a polarizing player because he had highs and lows, but he he's a guy that a lot of people, you know, seem to like. I, I just... I love his. I love what he's done on defense, like with the Jeremy Chin and Derek Brown and, and Brian Burns from before. I mean, I I saw them in the preseason last year, and before the offense went to hell and all uh, everything bad happened, that Panthers defense was the best in the league. And with the more speed and everything that they have, I I just love what they're doing in Carolina. I know everybody wants rule out the door. I think that's kind of a mistake from what we've seen with the Panthers. It's literally just getting that quarterback situation solved. Like I said, they got Mays in the sixth round. So you have an interior lineman to match with your day one new starting left tackle. They've got DJ Moore, Anderson, McCaffrey's back healthy. And you even tried, like, if Darnold doesn't work out to put Corral in there. I I love what the Panthers do. I love what they've been doing, to be honest. I'm, I'm a big fan. Oh, and Terrace Marshall Jr., who I had as a first-round prospect last year. I I'm a big fan. Am I overrating the Panthers and what they've been the last couple of years? I feel like I am one of the higher non-Panthers fans of their team and their staff and what they've been doing the last couple of years. No, Angela, honestly, I quite frankly, I'd agree with you. I, I think it's because you're somebody that can see a vision in a sense uh, compared to other people that like want production right here, right now. Like you see what they're working towards. Like you see the defense that they're building and you understand that, you know, if your offense is, you know, like 32nd in the league, it's real hard to like consistently ball out on defense. You know, if your defense is touching the field, you know, (laughs) offense, three and out, three and out interception, three and out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible to be a dominant defense. But if you're looking solely at the roster and what they've put together, this team is truly a lot better than people think. And they were good before McCaffrey got hurt. And Darnold was good before McCaffrey got hurt. There was a a span where people were like legitimately saying that Darnold is going to be like the long-term starter for the Panthers because he was playing so solid. And then it's just, you know, once McCaffrey goes out the door, that just completely strips your offense of its identity. And it just, it kind of makes things fall apart. But Angela, no, I don't think you're overhyping them. Like how they attack this draft just further proves your point like if there's a need on on their football team they're gonna take care of it I mean like like you said Ikiakuanu there probably wasn't a better team need fit than Ikiakuanu to the Panthers and on top of that Ikiakuanu I don't know if you knew this he grew up a huge Panthers fan so that's awesome huh yeah the NC State that yeah huh okay that makes a lot of sense homer always love that and then you know potentially you're getting your quarterback of the future in Matt Corral I think you know, you're kind of just betting on his traits and stuff. I, I I, don't dislike the move at all, but one pick that I really, really liked that they made was Brandon Smith. Uh, I was debating on putting Brandon Smith on my top 10, and he cracked it. I, I think he was either 9 or 10 um, with Hidden Chad Muma either um, 
one, those two were nine and ten. And I just what Bre- uh, Brandon Smith brings in coverage as a linebacker, it's it's incredibly incredibly impressive. And you keep talking about the speed of this Panthers team. Brandon Smith can move for a linebacker, and that's a guy that's gonna. Uh, I mean. The, that's a division with some pretty good tight ends, so I expect it to. I mean, who you need somebody to be able to at least like nobody's going to be able to stop a guy like Kyle Pitts or something, but to have a guy that you can say, we'll we'll at least be able to try that. You know, it makes sense to put a guy like him on there. I truly think Brandon Smith is going to develop to be a weapon for the Panthers, especially in like kind of sitting back, being that dominant off-ball linebacker. Not saying it's going to happen immediately, but. That's a guy that I, I truly do think has all the potential in the world. He was kind of um, fluctuating with his production, and he was really kind of a hit or miss in a lot of his games at Penn State. But that's a guy that I truly, truly believe fits the Panthers to a T and will be able to fill a role that they have been looking for. Well, I think we, we've given the Panthers all the flowers that they need. I, I, but, I, but I do want to end it with this. I, I honestly believe this. I, I think that the Matt Rule being on his last year and possibly going back to college or it's not working out or Rule doesn't even want to be there anymore, I think people are really overlooking what the, the makeover job that they've done there in Carolina. I, if I was a Panthers fan, I'd be stoked, to be honest. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Yeah. So up next, honest- go ahead. No, one more thing. I, I, I want to say, is it a stretch to say if Tom Brady didn't come out of retirement, would you have the Panthers as legitimate option to win this division? Yes. All righty. All right. That's all my that's all I had. Yep. I think they could I think they'll push for a wild card spot. I do. Up next, I had the Atlanta Falcons. They picked Drake London eighth overall. We know our feelings about that, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Arnold Ibikite. Edge out of Penn State, round two, pick 38. Uh, in the late of the second round, they picked Troy Anderson from Montana State, the linebacker slash quarterback slash running back slash returner <laughs> slash punter slash water boy slash filming coordinator <laughs> slash everything. Um, r- round three, uh, they picked the second quarterback off the board in Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Also in round three, D'Angelo Malone, an edge rusher from Western Kentucky. In round five, I'm going to butcher the name, Tyler uh, Algier, the running back from BYU. Round six, they got a couple of Georgia players and Justin Schaefer, the guard from Georgia, and John Fitzpatrick, the tight end from Georgia. I'm about to blow Brendan's mind. (laughs) I gave the Falcons an A-. minus. Okay. For their draft. Okay. I, okay. I'll, I'll be honest. I did not expect to like the Falcons draft as much as I do. But if we had to redo our top 10, like I think I would still pick the same teams I did. But I mean, I gave the Giants like a B and I, I, I kind of feel bad about the Giants grade now. But this Falcons draft, man, I got to tell you, while not being a the biggest fan of Drake London, though I do think that they needed a wide receiver the rest of their draft presented great value at almost every pick. And I believe, and I'm going to go out on a limb, I think this was a foundation draft for the Falcons. I think that this is a foundation for their future. Like I said, not the biggest fan of London. I thought he looked a little bit stiff for his size while not being particularly like explosive going down the field. But he does compliment Kyle Pitts as being one of the tallest receivers that they're going to go up against. And now when teams face the Falcons, the Falcons have a, a an identity 
on offense at their wide receiving core. Like, if you're small, you're in for a long, long day. (laughs) Because London and Pitts, like the London Tower and Kyle Pitts are going to be they're going to be one of the bi- the most difficult duos in the league to guard not because I think that London's great I do think Kyle Pitts can be the best player in the league someday I do I I'm I'm you will not meet a bigger Kyle Pitts fan than I am but <laughs> I, I they're get they're going to be hard to guard um Arnold Ibakite was viewed as a potential late first round pick. So at 38, the value's good. Uh, he may lead the team in sacks. Uh, I think that's more of an indictment on the edge rush in Atlanta. But uh, this is going to be a theme going forward. Ibakite was a pretty damn good athlete. And we're going to see that that's what they kind of focused on in this draft, much like the Colts. They didn't get the notoriety like the Colts, but they did focus on athleticism. And Ibakite fit that build. Continuing that, and I know a lot of people may not like it, but I was look. There are just some athletes that I don't care if they're raw at the position or whatever. If they if they've got the build and they've got the athleticism, I'm taking them. And Troy Anderson is that guy. Like he he wasn't only the most athletic linebacker in this class. He was one of the most athletic players in the draft at any position. Like he'll take a little bit of time to develop. But the upside of what he can bring to the defense, I just thought it was too much to ignore personally. I I thought it was definitely worth a shot in the late second round, and I ultimately thought that's where he was going to land was the second round. Um, Though I had three quarterbacks ranked higher that were available, you can't tell me that Desmond Ritter wasn't good value in the third round. Nobody expected Ritter to last that long, and if that's the guy they wanted. And and it's really ironic because Ritter was the guy, like his comparison for me was Matt Ryan. And not in the terms of arm talent, but everything else. The build, the the four-year starter stuff, the, the the mechanics and the look. Like it looks like that he just literally copied Matt Ryan tape his entire life is the way that he looks as a prospect until the ball leaves his hands, of course. But he will be able to develop and train before being thrust into a more prominent role at the quarterback position. D'Angelo Malone, he left Western Kentucky as literally one of their best players to ever come through the program. Like I Being in Kentucky, D'Angelo Malone's just someone I've known about for years. He's, he's a little undersized, but when you look at his athletic profile – he has like elite athleticism and he's not like Dwight Freeney small. He's still like 6'3", like 230, 240. So you're talking about a guy that's going to come in and be a situational pass rusher, especially on third downs. And he's going to have the athleticism to beat these tackles off the edge. So from a team that needed pass rushers for years, a, a team that I, I think if David Ajabo hadn't torn his Achilles at his pro day, that he could have potentially gone eight to Atlanta. They ended up pretty much shoring up those positions with two guys that are, you know, elite level athletes. So I thought that they, they completely attacked the position of need in a very effective way. And then on day three, like we'll see how Algier does. I I know that some people were higher, higher on him than others. He's probably back there to be more of a, more of a, a, a bread and butter type of, Running back to Cordero Patterson's uh, just immense athletic like talents. Justin Schaefer was a guard that everybody opined about going way too low. So, I mean, hell, I'll take it. 
And John Fitzpatrick, he wasn't really on many draft radars, and I must have just caught the John Fitzpatrick game. I, I, th- I think he made a huge catch against Kentucky or something, and I was like, man, they already got Bowers, and now you're telling me they have this guy too that's just a- an awesome, like, back-of-the-end-zone 6-6, like, receiving threat? Apparently, he is, like, a blocker in the Lee Smith mold, who I was always a big fan of Lee Smith, uh, as just your blocking tight end you can put in line. But Fitzpatrick, I really like that pick in the sixth round. And that was their draft. Like every single pick, you can say something positive about in one way or another. They completely attacked the needs that they had on their team. And I thought they got great value at almost every single selection. Like, Brendan, you can shoot me. But I just – actually, you can't shoot me. I'm not giving you consent for that. <laughs> but you can, you can shame me for this. But I actually, after after review – I loved the Falcons draft. It's crazy. I mean, Angela, like, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I really don't. Like, yeah, maybe I'm not as high on Drake London as the rest of the world, but you're not wrong. I mean, if you're if you're asked to cover him and Kyle Pitts, I mean, who who what what NFL team has the defensive backs at that size to be able to do that for an entire game? It's just you just see Pete Carroll drooling with a teethy <laughs> smile, just like, <laughs> Tariq Wollin! Like that's that's who yeah, we got. <laughs> but no, literally, I mean, it's you need such a big physical defense to worry about them. And it's like, you know, two months ago we were joking about how abysmal this Falcons offense looked. And now we're saying like they legitimately could have one of the hardest duos in the National Football League to cover. And it, you know, I I I really think Drake London is a perfect fit for Atlanta. I mean, getting a legitimate number one receiver that has height is, I mean, obviously they, they're they never going to get another Julio Jones, but it's always nice to have a legitimate X receiver that's taller than like 6'2". Mike so. Evans is not out of the realm of possibility for London. Oh, no. I mean, it's, it's not. But it, I would, my, my comparison for him is a little closer to maybe Mike Williams in a sense, because Mike Williams has consistently like been able to thrive off of being a dominant jump ball receiver. I mean, I think Mike Evans is like, I think you were the one that called him a unicorn because Mike Evans is, you don't see people that big run that fluidly, run routes that well. And I don't think Drake London can, but I really do think he can be an upgrade of what Mike Williams is. They both have that insane size. They both have that consistent ability to win the 50-50 ball. It's more like a 70-30. So I think that a very, very high-level Mike Williams is his ceiling. I've, Another pick. I'll, I'll say that. I'll, I'll just say, uh, I, I will say, I don't think I called Mike Evans a unicorn. I would have said Kyle Pitts is a unicorn. Now, I would say, I would go out on limb and say, or not go out on limb. I would just say that. I mean, I think he's the one of the best prospects I've ever scouted. Kyle Pitts was. I'm, I'm straight up honest with you. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just think that. You're being very, very kind, even though we're both low on London, because I like Mike Williams more. I still like Mike Williams more, like Mike mm-hmm. Evans a little more, but I, I, I can see more than Mike Evans. But to give Drake London his respect like you were, I mean, the guy dominated the Pac-12 and was their offensive player of the year, even though he left like halfway through the season with an ankle injury. Like he still had like over a thousand yards and all these catches. And he is a really good contested catch guy he's really he's a really good possession receiver over the middle like guys struggle to tackle him I I I think that there it's definitely a matchup thing for them 
Uh, I 110% see the vision. I, I For the Falcons, I don't dislike the pick in the slightest. Um, another pick I wanted to highlight, a player I am infatuated with, Angelo, Troy Anderson, dude. You, you hit it on the nail on what his responsibility is as a football player. I mean, you go up to him and ask him what position he plays. You know what his answer is? Yes. <laughs> Love that. So <laughs> Troy Anderson is, and, uh, he seriously nailed it right. He is legitimate. Like there's an argument. He's the best athlete for any position out of this class and I even yes he's still raw in the position but for what I saw in film I was it was enough for me to put him in my top 10 linebackers I think I had him right after five or six or something he was but Troy Anderson has all the potential in the world to be an absolute menace to society and I wouldn't be surprised if you know Troy Anderson is somebody that's maybe used similarly to Taysom Hill, potentially. Um, you might see him on some offensive sets, maybe see him out there lined up as as like a an H-back or something like that. Like I, I truly think that they're going to get the most they can out of Troy Anderson. You, I don't think you take a player that that's raw at the position if you're not utilizing him as his, as his fullest self. And I think that Troy Anderson is more than just a linebacker. So I really, really hope the Falcons attack his versatility. That's interesting. That's interesting with Arthur Smith coming from Tennessee with Vrabel and the Patriots. That is interesting. I I hadn't thought about that until you said it. I wonder. It makes a lot of sense to me. I really could see it happening. And uh, the dude is so much more athletically gifted. He's a freaky athlete. I mean, if he ended up being the best linebacker in this class, it wouldn't shock me. Just because of the, the athletic profile is, li- is literally kind of a unseen for, for a linebacker. Just one more pick I wanted to highlight on was uh, you get Desmond Ritter in the third round, a guy that could potentially be your future franchise quarterback. You're never going to complain about getting that in the third round. And, uh, you know, maybe I wasn't as high on Desmond Ritter as the rest of the world, but, you know, we've talked about it. Everything prior to the ball coming out, you could argue is like the best in the class. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. The, it is. It's 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 beautiful. It he really he is, had the best mechanics in the class, bar bar none. Yeah, but it's just like sometimes when the ball comes out, it's like, why on God's green earth does the ball look like that? Yeah, yeah, that exactly. Good? Yeah, it does, hundred percent. It doesn't make sense to me, but no, I I mean Ritter is a guy that you absolutely want to take your chances on. A guy that was able to lead Cincinnati, Cincinnati all the way to the playoffs, and and you know hold then try to hold their own against some of the best teams in the nation and. It was truly magnificent what Desmond Ritter was able to do with that Cincinnati football team, and he is once again a guy that has a great, great mind. Like he's a he's a guy that you he's a leader. He's a little a little weird, which I think is good for Atlanta. Like I, you kind of have to have a guy that's like gonna gonna be able to rip people if they have to. And like Ritter is a guy that wants the best out of everybody. He's a guy that everybody that's around him just has nothing but great things to say about him. And you know, like I said, if you're getting your potential franchise quarterback in the third round nobody's complaining so Angelo you you sold the draft pretty good to me honestly I I don't think I like I just maybe it was because of the like lack of huge names later that I wasn't as big on it but like looking at what they need looking at what their roster was who they replaced the player like 
I agree with you, dude. They they killed the draft. They killed it. Yeah, and and that well about Ritter too. Just to follow up, he is a, he is from you know it, it just proves that Kentucky is the state you go to get your quarterbacks from. Like Louisville, <laughs> Kentucky, Desmond Ritter, small program makes the Final Four. Tanner Morgan's from Kentucky, up in Minnesota, led them to a bowl win over Auburn a couple of years ago. It's just, I mean, if you need a quarterback, the best ones come from the Bluegrass State. Okay, like that's just the that's just the way it goes. I also, just one last thing before we move on, because I just kind of figured this out as I was going through it. Like I said about John Fitzpatrick, like he's he's going to be a blocking tight end. Like that's what he's going to come in as. But he's 6'6", And he's an inline guy. So it's another gigantic human being playing at a receiver position. Mm. And I think if anything, where Arthur Smith you know, in this modern day with the two tight ends on the line, you can move. I always thought that Kyle Pitts was a wide receiver prospect as much as he was tight end. I think this is going to allow you to flex him more into the slot into tight end looks off of, off of the set play and even line up wide outside. And Fitzpatrick, I mean, you're talking about 6'4". Drake London's going to look small compared to Kyle Pitts and John Fitzpatrick. Like, this is this is, really is a targeted vision for Atlanta and it's just and and last thing too with Ritter athletic profile ran like I think one of the fastest 40s if not the fastest 40 of all the quarterbacks and we're just talking about the elite athletic profile maybe Drake London was going to test really well because Ibikite, Anderson, Ritter, Malone those four consecutive picks were all 9.0 or hires on the RAS for for their position. Man, that RAS scale is going to make our, our future jobs a lot easier, man. It we're is. We we, we we know what we're going for. Atlanta, high RAS guys, and tall wide receivers. Tall, tall receiving prospects. All right, enough enough about glowing about Atlanta, all right? They had their falls, okay? There, there's a reason why the minus is in there on the A. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, I graded third in this. Uh, they they killed the tro- top of the draft, obviously. Like, getting Chris Olave, trading up for him at 11, and then Trevor Penning falling to 19 shocked me, and I'll, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But that was the player they wanted all along, it seems like. I mean, from the, the time that they made the Eagles trade to the time they picked him, it seemed like that that was a pretty concerted effort. Alante Taylor at 49, pick 49 in the second round. DeMarco Jackson from Appalachian State, round five. Shout out to Ed Hunt. And then Jordan Jackson, defensive tackle to Air Force in round six. And that was their draft. Like, that's been the Saints' MO. Try to load up at the top, get the best players available, and then suffer about depth later. And I've, I've always liked that strategy. But this particular iteration of it, I give them a B. Okay, just a B. Because they did get some serious talent. Like, Chris Olave was my number one receiver. I actually had Trevor Penning mocked in the top ten the day before the draft because I thought some of these tackles were going to get pushed up the board, and I thought that pinning to Seattle was going to be a perfect fit. Uh, but they did get that talent at a cost. They traded a total of seven picks, which included two first-rounders, a second, two-thirds, a fourth, and a seventh to come away with Olave and Penning. Now, one of those first-round picks they did trade as a part of getting the two from the Eagles, but they did trade a 2023 first when you're future is far from certain and then a second two years from now kind of you know robbing 
uh, Paul to pay Peter or whatever they call it. Like they, they, they always do this to themselves. And one day it'll come to roost, but it's not going to be this year as they come away with Olave and pinning. But they, they, they did spend quite a lot to come away with those two. And again, I don't blame them. I don't blame the players they picked. That's why I gave them a B. Most of the time I would give it a lower grade, but I did like who they had because, like I said, Olave was my top receiver, and it gives the Saints a tremendous boost to a core that needed it because who the hell ever knows what's going on with Michael Thomas? Mm-hmm. Like, who who is that dude? Like, who who, who are you? Can't, can't guard Mike? I, well, I can't see Mike either because he's never on the field, okay? <laughs> like, Mike. Like play football, bro. You're the best. You're 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 a top three route runner in all football. Like you're a great receiver. Like quit quit acting up. Like we need to see you out here, especially with Olave. Because here's a fun note. Olave was considered not the best, even though I thought he was doing the best Devonta uh, Smith impression in college football two years ago. He had a nine point nine eight out of ten and a nine point nine seven out of ten ten and twenty yard splits according to RAS football. <laughs> so he is literally the fastest receiver off of the line of scrimmage practically ever recorded. And he's also yeah, awesome at we- the position. <laughs> Yeah. he's like it's not like oh he's small he should do that he's like six foot like 185 190 like he's 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 got enough size but that speed off the line he should be open pretty immediately like i i just i loved olave but those 10 and 20 yard splits are something serious oh yeah that's something serious indeed so i definitely was a huge fan of the pick trading up for him I'm 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 fine with, and I thought Penning had a shot to go to the top ten, uh, so 19th overall really did surprise me. But that's exactly what they did this for. What they did this whole thing for. They wanted a left tackle because they lost Tre Armstead to the Miami. And the thing about Penning is he got a lot of credit for being just nasty and physical. And I know that you kind of dinged him because of all the penalties that he had at um, Northern Iowa. But the thing that's underrated about him is that he was an athletic freak. Like his speed, explosion, agility to go along being with 6'7 and all that, like it was elite even without his size. I think he was a 9.95 out of 10 in the athletic realm. So I just, I, I was, I'm a fan. Like I'm not saying that I had him above the other three guys. I might have had him over Neil, but I definitely didn't have him above Aquanu or Cross. Uh, but. I, I just I really like this pick. I really like both of their picks. That's why the draft gets such a huge boost because I'm a big hit your early picks because those are the foundational pieces and you work around them. I thought the Saints did what the Saints did and acquired top-end talent. Alante Taylor is a battle-tested SEC corner with pedigree. He was a four-star Under Armour All-American, played all four years, started most of all four years. Uh, He was originally announced as a safety, but then on the website, they still have him as a corner. So I don't really know where they're going with him. I think you and I probably both would like him a little better at safety. Like that would be more interesting. I do believe I actually saw him on the, uh, the Saints depth chart as a corner. I think they already have him as the second corner. Hmm. That was interesting. He was announced as a safety, but yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. interesting. I actually kind of like the idea of him at cor- uh, safety more. Like that, I was I like, ooh, okay, Saints. Uh, but I think he could have versatility. The Saints love running three safety looks. Like that's they signed Marcus May. Uh, they they got Sorensen, so we'll see how 
that works out. They have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who is one of the most annoying players in all of football. But, um, yeah, they got they got all those guys. Taylor could add to that. He could be a corner, whatever they need. But he is, you know, SEC battle-tested, and that's why corners go to the SEC to play. You know, you become like a second, third, fourth round, first round pick, top three pick, whatever, and you just come in the NFL and you start playing. And uh, then the Saints took two athletic projects on day three. DeMarco Jackson was Sunbelt Defensive Player uh, Conference Player of the Year. Jordan Jackson checked all the athletic boxes that you want out of a DT. So, And that's their draft. So there's not a ton to say about it other than they got a lot of value at the top and it came at a cost. So the Saints definitely are trying to win now. I don't. I, I thought the only thing that really brought their dra- draft grade down was really that 2023 first. Because if Jameis doesn't work out or something goes bad and they end up in the top eight, seven, six, and they miss out on a franchise quarterback with that load or just a franchise player with that loaded class next year. I, I, I don't know if you can say that the move was completely worth it, but I did like who they got this year. No, I agree. And I think the way they attacked this draft kind of, it proves that they are expecting Jameis Winston to be, you know, completely healthy for the entirety of next season, because, you know, when Jameis was healthy, the saints were winning a lot of football games and, uh, I think this is a team that believes in themselves to win the division if they stay healthy. Uh, I still think that that's going to go to Tampa Bay, obviously. But Chris Olave was my, I would say, I think he was my fourth best receiver, third best receiver. I, I love the dude. And I, I honestly think that he's, like, if you can get Michael Thomas back and you just re- you just sign Jarvis Landry and then you bring in Chris Olave, if they're all together, that's, already instantly going to be one of the most difficult receiving cores in the National Football League to cover. I mean, Michael Thomas's route running ability, dude, his last time he played football broke the record for the most catches in a season, and Jarvis Landry is, is a legitimate threat underneath. Wasn't so. that pre-pandemic, though? Yeah. It's, How it's many seasons? Has he missed two seasons? I mean, seriously, what am I missing? Seasons. He has missed two seasons. And I, I think last the, the season after that historical year was due to like a a lower body injury if I'm not mistaken and then this last season was like injuries slash like I don't want anything to do with the Saints organization right now yeah okay okay so he did play in 2020 he played in seven games started five he had 40 catches 438 yards no touchdowns then he didn't play last year yeah he's just been he's just been AWOL back in 2019 when he did that 2019 is no it was 2019 is when he broke the record it was pre-pandemic yeah 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 yeah. that's what I'm. and then 2020 he played a little bit then he missed last year so yeah i mean the guy was on pace to statistically to be one of the 10 greatest ever and then now he's just i I think he's a joke like it's he's gotta he's gotta come back and do something and it's not even just because he's been hurt or sat out like i can understand being a human being but like when you sign that big contract do breeze goes away it looks like that's the reason why you got pouty about it. And then he's always mouthy. It's just like, all right, dude, come back and, you know, you could be Antonio Brown, but you got to be putting up numbers while you do it. Exactly. Antonio Brown got away with a lot of it because go look at that dude's stats. Like it's (laughs) check the, in the words of Jameis Winston, check the sheet. I'm (laughs) balling. God, Jameis Winston is a national treasure. Yeah, he really is. He really is the funniest <laughs> dude in the world. All right, last last team, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
they traded down to the first pick of the second round pick Logan Hall out of Houston defensive lineman. They come back at the end of the second round, 57, Luke Gadecki, going before uh, Raymond, which was a little surprising, but he seemed to have a lot of buzz in the draft community. He's offensive lineman from Central Michigan. Uh, round three, pick 91, both of our underrated running backs on our on our pre, pre-NFL pre draft show, Rashad White from Arizona State. At 106, fourth round, Cade Otten, the tight end from Washington. So they're trying to give Brady a one last big target to – to compliment the end of his career pick 133 maybe the pick bowling like the least because of the of his his punt god wasn't taken here but a different punter <laughs> jank camarda from georgia uh trading a draft pick next year which i believe was a fourth round pick next year to get trade up to get zion mccollum cornerback from sam houston state talk about him in a little bit uh, Co Keith, another tight end for Minnesota, which I saw an awesome quote from him. Uh, he was labeled as a blocking tight end, and he didn't run away from it at all. He said, "Yep, that's what I do. I like to hurt people. I like to eat people. Like it was just like stuff. Like I like to get dirty. I'm a worker. Like it's just like everything where it's like, okay, I don't want to get in a bar fight with that guy. Like that's that's <laughs> that's to be on my side. Yeah, yeah. That's not that's not on the on the list of things to do today. <laughs> and then in the in the late seventh round, Andre Anthony, who's kind of interesting. He was really productive i think he played like five games or four games he had like four sacks five and a half tackles for loss for lsu before he tore his acl so you know you might have like a potential pass rush prospect for the future to go along with uh and you don't know this but i was a big joe tryon guy last year and so if they could kind of pair anthony with tryon in the future you know in the bear in the barrett uh, uh pierre role pierre paul roles that could be interesting but uh, ultimately, wait, okay, real quick. You didn't react. I usually like when you react because we agree. Were you not a try-on guy last year? Uh, I just, I, I was not, like, wouldn't say I was was or wasn't. I did, yeah. Oh, I thought, I, I honestly thought, um, who who was the pass rusher that went towards the top of last year? Oh, it was, okay, so he was my second-rated pass rusher. I had uh, Jalen Phillips, number one. Mm, but yeah Jalen Phillips was my number one as well last year okay okay see we are dudes I I thought that Joe Tryon though even above Jalen I thought he had the best bend in the draft I thought I thought when you're talking about natural bend and he could drop back in coverage when when Bucks got him I was like of course they got him I was oh I was I was livid um but let's talk about Tampa's draft this year I gave him a C plus because they they are gearing up for potentially one final run of Tom Brady, but a lot of the talent they got, I felt, was relatively backup level offensive talent for the NFL. And you know maybe they got a potential stalwart on the defensive line in Logan Hall. Like he's lean, he's long, he's I thought I think he projects perfectly as the three four defensive end. Put a little weight on him. I think he could be really impactful at that position. Uh, he's not overly explosive uh, for his testing numbers, but he is quick and agile. And, uh, you know, there's potentially he could start year one, but this is ideally a guy you'd like to rotate until he really gets the necessary weight and strength on him. And then you can kind of let him off the hook and let him start three, four defensive end year in and year out, in my opinion. Uh, again, not the Central off, uh, Central Michigan offensive lineman most expected to be picked first, uh, but Gadecki was a favorite. He He's going to end up at guard after they lost Kappa. Now, they did get Shaq Mason, but uh, they had another guard I think they lost uh, that was a big name. Can you remind me, or do you know off the top of your head? 
Because um, Jensen know. came back at center. They had Kappa. They had another guard. I just it slipped my mind. So tweet us at NFL Draft Blitz or at Angelo Media Lex or at Brendan Bolin with an A, not an N or an E, and or which one is it? Oh, with an A, with an A. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Uh, Rashad White caught fire during last year's college football season, parlayed it to being the fourth running back off the board, which was really interesting. Uh, He's an athletic talent, though, and he has long speed. Uh, He should be their third down back this year. And then the fruitful day, and uh, I said Tampa had a fruitful day three, and it was led with Zion McCollum. The reason why I waited on him, he he was in the running for the best athlete in the draft. Uh, His athletic neck, testing numbers were outstanding like I think he had a 40 and a half inch vert he ran like a 4-3-3 super I think he had one of the best three cone drills of all time like for a cornerback and that was at 6-2 200 pounds so he, he's just you it's worth giving up a fourth round pick in next year's draft to get an athlete of that level that people believe can play the cornerback position he, he also picked off a, a good amount of passes so give me an elite athlete with ball skills and I'll roll the dice with them no, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, sorry, if I was it Ali Marpet? That is exactly who it was, who retired. Okay, yep. Sweet, <laughs> sweet, sweet, yeah. I mean, he was, I believe he wasn't even 30 years old yet. No, sometimes that's what dudes do, you know. You, I respect it, man. Got to take care of your body sometimes. Those Division three linemen, how dare they? <laughs> no, but I think Logan Hall, drafting Logan Hall, kind of was like the, the naysay that, you know, I don't think – and Dominic is going to be making his return. So I really like that pick. And then, obviously, the, I, I love Rashad White, Angelo. I love Rashad White. And I don't know how much longer you're expecting. I, I think Leonard Fournette came back on a one-year. Am I am I wrong? I'm not or? sure if it was a one-year, but he did come back. Okay, yeah. So that that could potentially be your, your guy of the future. As of right now, I think he just he provides everything you could ever want in a third down back. Everybody else, I, I agree with you. I think it was all kind of backup guys. I mean, even Kate Otten, I don't think he's going to, like, yeah, he's going to see the field, but he's not going to take over for Cameron Brait, who isn't necessarily a guy that you view as a number one tight end, but dude's been in the league for, you know, about seven years already. He had, and he's played with Brady. So I think Kate Otten's going to definitely stay as that backup role. And I think that once again proves that Gronk is not going to be coming back, but and then you get a, a freak in Zion McCollum. Uh, I really liked that pick. I think that their their secondary at one point was like a huge plus for them. And then they started to get some injuries. And then it was like, okay, our secondary has turned into an issue. So I, I like the addition of depth and a significantly talented athlete at that position. But I agree with you. I, I think that the Buccaneers did have a bottom draft in this division. But once again, it was one of those drafts where it wasn't like, it wasn't horrible, you know? Like, this is a team that's pretty much ready to go, like, make one last Super Bowl push. It's not like you're like, oh my gosh, you, you needed to fill this position. What are you doing? I think I think picking up Logan Hall was was the right move for the first round. I don't think there was a... What, what, could, have they, what could have they have done? Or, excuse me, Logan Hall in the second round. But what could they have done to, to make it a better draft? I don't really think there's much. I mean, it's a good football team. You're not going to get many starters in this draft. So especially with where they were picking in the draft. I, I would consider it a successful draft for what they're doing and where they're at, but yeah, I agree. It was like the the least, uh, I, what's like roster changing, like roster breaking. There was not a single pick where I'm like, okay, 
that guy is going to make a huge difference for this football team next year. You know what I mean? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, a C-plus, it's like just above, like an average draft, I put him just above that. Like maybe Camarda's the punter for them and like he could change the game. I guess I think Logan Hall, like where you said he's the Sioux replacement, like I'd like, you're probably right that, you know, you can only allocate so many assets. I, I do think that, like, you know, long-term, as a 3-4 defensive end, that he could be a pretty good football player. Uh, maybe a Muhammad Wilkerson type. That's always my go-to for the higher end, like, 3-4 mm-hmm. defensive ends. But that's a very, very, very lofty, though, because Muhammad Wilkerson was, like, behind J.J. Watt there for second-best 3-4 D end in the league for a while. That's a name I haven't heard in a while, man. I, I love going down memory lane. I took Brendan Bullard in the way back machine. Oh, yeah, back when back in his youth in 2013. Um, <laughs> when I was a wee little lad. When he was a wee little lad, yeah. I was in college. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but, yeah, I, and then McCollum's kind of their upside pick, and Otten's kind of an upside pick as well. But, yeah, like I, I think it's – I thought it was fine. But let's – Let's go ahead and transition. We've been here for a while. I think the audience has enjoyed it. We're going to do one last thing before we close out, and this is how I'm going to frame it. We're going to take Brennan and I's, our our draft grades, we're going to take it at the top, and we are going to rank these teams one through eight. And if we have a qualm, we'll settle it in mid-discussion. So we'll start at the top. The South in general, let's take AFC and NFC out of it. The South draft grades. Carolina or Houston for number one? I'll vote for Carolina because I, I, I think I was that you, say, I think that you have to you have to include the fact that they use draft picks to acquire. Mm-hmm. Like if if I would have told you that you know they traded uh, their third round pick. Imagine this. Let me take you back to the twenty uh, twenty draft. If I would have told you, yeah, the Panthers traded a 2022 third for the ninth overall pick in C.J. Henderson, how would you feel about this draft? Good. Yeah, good. Yeah, you would have been like, oh, how how could no. you possibly pull something like that off? That must be the worst GM move. Oh, Urban Meyer's the GM. That makes him oh, okay. Makes you know what? I can see how something like that would happen. So I, I it's kind of just like that. So I'm trying I'm trying to convince you, but are you end up going to end up putting Houston one? No, I so I agree with you. I think maybe I like the the like as a collective group. I like the players Houston got overall better, but for how the Panthers were able to acquire the players and everything else they did to lead up to the draft, I agree with you. I think you've made your case for them having the best draft out of these teams. Yeah, I think I think it's just I think the 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 Texans got more like starter depth pieces. Right. But I do think that the Panthers got the top talent. Like, Aquanu, Henderson, Darnold, Carroll, Corral, sorry. Like, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, well, you're, you're, you could really hit on the, all, like, on the all pros on these. So, uh, I would probably put Tennessee second, but because you are the man that put Houston first and you gave me the grace with Carolina, do we want to put Houston two? I, I do. I do. I would put Tennessee three. Agreed. I don't think you could put them any lower than that. It's disrespectful. Well, I, I think that the Falcons had a very, very good draft. I think they had a very similar draft to the Titans. I was just going to say, get your potential quarterback of the future in the third round. And it, and get the wide receiver that you wanted right? in the first round. Like they, A lot of similarities. I just think that even though the Falcons, I like their depth a little better. And what they did, I just think that Tennessee got with with Burks and Willis and Petit for, and I just thought that their 
I, I just thought the higher end. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a higher end guy. You realize that. I, I like oh, depth, yeah. though, and that's why I would have Atlanta four. I agree. I agree. Now it's going to get fun. So let's review. So in the South, the top four drafts were the Carolina Panthers, the Houston Texans, the Tennessee Titans, and the Atlanta Falcons. Okay? So now let's get into the back half of it. We've got essentially the Colts versus the Saints here. Which draft did you prefer? I'm going to say the Colts simply because I don't, there's not a player that the Colts picked that I like more than Chris Olave. But I think, like, kind of what you were saying, the assets that they had to give up, it's at one point it's going to come back to bite you. And I think that the, the Colts got guys that are going to legitimately make an impact day one. And guys, so I, I think that I'm going to give the Colts an edge. How do you feel about that? Well, do you not factor in the asset that the Colts gave up a first for Carson Wentz and then traded him immediately mm. for two-thirds? Mm, okay. I see. I didn't think about that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I'll I say this again. If we're talking about— If you're talking top-end talent, it's it's the Saints. I know, and that's what I'm trying I'm trying to decipher between because it's like if, if I would have been offered, you can have Chris Olave and Trevor Penning— for all of the Colts draft picks, would you do it? And I'm not even including like Taylor DeMarco. Like if we just traded draft for draft and we maybe I'm just I wonder because I mean, I'm such have, a if, I'm I'm a hooker, and I'm not a Hendon hooker or a Malik hooker for, for top end <laughs> talent. But um hmm. I think I think we can put this so my argument for the same I'll go be, with the Colts. I'll go with the Colts okay. because you know what? Your the athletic upside of all of their picks that you can argue that they gave more of the top-end shots and athleticism throughout where the Saints got kind of the proven studs of the college football. I, I might regret it, but I, I, don't, I don't know. Which one, which one do you think? I'll let you be the judge. I respect putting the Colts at five because it's, it's more of one that I think we're going to wait a little bit to see if we're right or wrong on it. Because if the Colts hit on these athletes, I think it's, it's without a doubt going to be the Colts had a better draft. But it's like, you know, at the same time, the Saints, they got, you know, in your opinion, the best wide receiver in the class to create one of the best wide receiving cores in football. Potentially. So it's just like Mike yeah, Thomas. Poten- if Mike Thomas. Yeah. Come on, buddy. But <laughs> man, this I think this is the this, this is by far the closest. This is we'll have. this is tough. I, I honestly <laughs> I think I would have such different drafts. If gun to my head, I probably would have gone Saints just because I okay. love – like when you have 22 starters to get two guys that I'm like, yeah, they're going to be pretty good. Like I, I really like that. Uh, but I, I will I will cede to you. You were generous enough to to listen to my Panthers propaganda and put them at one. So I'm trying to give, give you a little sway in this too, which brings up the Saints versus Jags, which I think is I, – I may – I think that's an argument. I think I think it is too. Because Walker and Lloyd to come out with them and then couple that with Fortner and Muma and and some of the guys that they they I mean, had have legitimate starters in your first one two three four you know five picks. So, oh, let me ask you this, and this will be the decider. This will be the decider for me. All right, let's do it. If you're a Browns fan. And you and take away the roster needs. Would you have rather come out with Olave and Penning or Walker and Lloyd? Okay, you know what? That's about I as think... equal in terms of board value and board value right. that you can really get. Where I think it would probably be like Olave, 
then like Lloyd Walker, then Penny, you know, like in that turn. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how your board you know stacked what, up, dude? but call me crazy, but I, I think I, I might give the Jags the edge here. I, I just solely for how their def- like their defense has went from like bottom of the league to like we mentioned, you now have the potential to have the best linebacking core in football. And I think I think I have a little bit more of a question mark on Penning than you do. So, in my personal opinion, I give the Jags a very slight edge because, yes, I I don't love the fact that they took Trayvon Walker first overall, but I a hundred percent understand and see the vision of trying to recreate that dominant t- 2017 defense. Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna call an executive move. I just can't in good faith put the Saints with Olave and Penning. You're right. I probably am a little higher than I should be on Penning. I'm gonna pull executive decision. Put him at six. We'll put the Jags at seven. In Tampa, I think is pretty clearly the last yeah. out of all these teams. Boys. Yep. Sorry. Sorry, Brady. Sorry. Sorry. But you know what? If Brady has everything in the world that you need, so he will dig up. NFL draft blitz cast here where we say Tampa had the worst draft and he's going to be like the haters always doubted me and he's going to go on his Batman kick and go for an eighth Super Bowl and it is going to leave me in ruins and tears as Aaron Rodgers gets yet again blocked by Tom Brady. They're going to put this uh, this draft ranking in his ESPN 30 for 30. They are. Yeah, he'll be like, you know, I, I everybody doubted me from the beginning. And even after everything I did, Angelo Carriero and Brendan Bolin, they they didn't think we had the draft what it takes. And uh, <laughs> I had to, I had to get them back. I love it. I love it. So, hey, let's let's go over our, our list one last time before before we head out of here. So the best draft for a AFC and or NFC South team was the Carolina Panthers. The second best draft was the Houston Texans. In third place, we have the Tennessee Titans. Fourth place, we have the Atlanta Falcons. Fifth place, the Indianapolis Colts, getting all those freak athletes. In sixth place, we have the New Orleans Saints. Seventh place, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And eighth place, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, baby. I think this was... But I think that even though it kind of looks bad... To have some of those teams lower, I think that again, this is was a really good floor. Like the the AFC South had really good floor, and it seemed like the NFC South had a good ceiling on theirs. So it, it like we'll get to like the NFC West and the AFC West next week, and you'll see that they're probably you know Jacksonville would be you know we haven't gone through all of them, but you could maybe they're third. In the way, you know, like that's that's maybe how good the South kind of loaded up on either the bottom end of their rosters or the top end of their roster. No, one hundred and ten percent. I'm I'm really excited to get into these uh these Wests. You know, I'll get to talk about some some Denver stuff. Talk about my Broncos, and I'm I'm really excited. I think that all the teams in the AFC West had such unique drafts. Like they're going to be a lot more spread out than than my AFC South teams were. I I can promise you that right now. All right, Brendan, where can ev- the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Bolin Brendan. That's uh Bolin and Brendan with an A. So um and then if you wanted to find our collective Twitter, that's NFL Draft Blitz on Twitter. So Angelo Carriero, what is yours, my friend? At Angelo Media Lex. That's. A-N-G-E-L-O, media, L-E-X, all one word. All righty, brother. Well, I, I, as always, man, I truly appreciate what you bring to the show. It's, it's, 
it's definitely helped me take my mind off of not feeling so great. I mean, honestly, like talking about, I, I forgot I had COVID halfway through this conversation because I just, I get too dang excited. So after I get off of here, I'm going to be, I mean, Angela, hey, you want to, you want to record again just for fun or something? So, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, Angela, seriously, man, I appreciate you as always. Thank you, man. No, great that we're doing the podcast. And like I said, we're going to have two shows next week. We're going to have the NFC and AFC West draft grades, and we will have a bonus show for you, which it's not bonus anymore. We're going to put up two shows a week. So we'll figure we'll figure out what in the draft realm that we want to do. But if you have anything that's on your mind, feel free to tweet us at NFL Draft Blitz. You know, engage with us on social media. And we're, you know, you're you're as much a part of the show as we are. We love we love NFL draft fans and we love the NFL draft. This is what we do, baby. Yes, sir. Angela couldn't have said it any better, you guys. I mean, uh, we 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 aren't doing this show without you, so we truly appreciate everybody that tunes into to our episodes of Blitzcast, and I can't wait to be back on our next show, man. I'm already excited about it, but we'll, we'll be back sooner than later, folks, so thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Blitzcast. <laughs>